Hey everybody, good morning. Welcome to the Wicked Ones Podcast. This is Tara. And this is Jen. So, and um, Tara is, <laughs> has one eye open because she I is do. not a morning person and I am. So you might feel a different energy today. Yeah, and I don't do mornings at all. Not at all. But I will say that <laughs> I told you the last time I was editing the first part of this story that I cannot wait to hear the rest of. Um, I told you it was like one of the best I'd ever edited. You're, you sounded great. I had so hardly funny. anything to edit, like not a lot going on. And, and it was amazing. And I was like, so whatever you did, do that. So did you do that? Yeah, I stayed up until 2 a.m. and then chugged coffee <laughs> intensely <laughs> right before we recorded. Because I worked the night before yeah. last time. Remember, I was the one who only had like one eye open. Yeah, this uh, is the key to a good recording, people. <laughs> <laughs> Zero sleep and lots of coffee. So I'll, I'll do my best. I've been drinking coffee all morning, so hopefully I'll, I'll live up to another easy edit for you. Perfect. Well, I can't wait to hear your story, but um, I do want to kind of say really quickly that <laughs> if anybody follows our IG account, um, Facebook, all that, we, we posted a little bit lately about um, how we feel about cancel culture. I don't know how you all feel about cancel culture out there, but we are not big fans of it. And... Um, we we put up a post and immediately got some some uh, you know some chatter on there that was unfriendly maybe yeah. but I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion exactly. I think it just pointed out a fact that's all oh absolutely but I think it's just one of those things that made me want to bring it up because I've been thinking about it a little bit more and you know you and I were discussing that well that's okay that you think differently because you should have the right to your own opinion and should be able to say what you feel without feeling like you're going to be attacked. Absolutely. And I was trying to explain everything with Stella, because, of course, Stella idolizes Gina. She thinks she's amazing. And we had to go through, you know, why it made her statements made people upset and Mm -hmm. how you still need to be somewhat sensitive. Yeah. You have to be careful. But in the same aspect... You, you know, Stella, I was trying to explain to Stella that it would be boring if we all felt the same way and we would never progress as humans. Mm -hmm. This is true. If we were all forced to think the same way. So although you need to be respectful of other people, it's healthy to think differently. Well, and it's healthy to challenge other people. And if maybe that's not what you're thinking isn't ideal. It's also healthy for people to remind you why, but in a way that doesn't destroy your entire life Mm -hmm. and shame you into a hole forever, forever thinking anything. You should be able to... You should. Your words shouldn't. Absolutely. You should be able to make a mistake and learn from your mistake. And um, not saying that... So what we were saying basically is that Germany and everything that happened back then in history kind of has its own place, like you were saying. Like, some things you just don't touch. You don't go there. And so I get that, and I get that why people, as soon as you say anything about that or compare anything to Nazi Germany or bring up anything that happened, it's, oh, hold on, time out. Yeah, well, it it doesn't need to be done. Right. That place and time has a special place, and it needs to stay there. So we get, but we get what she was trying to say, and we love Gina, too. I... She's such a strong female character and so good for our kids to see. And so I hope good things are in her future because. Yeah. And I I mean, this country has fought so hard for freedom of speech. I don't think, I mean, we have that right. It, it mm-hmm. sh- We shouldn't be shamed for it. Reminded right. when inappropriate, correct. And. I mean, there's those people out there that shout from the rooftops inappropriate things all day long, and we probably need to smack those people back. Right, right. Agree, agree. But, you know. But people shouldn't be canceled, you know. Well, and it's, it goes, I mean, they start hating on mm. people. And oh, they it's reverse bad. It. it. It's bad. It, it becomes bullying and. Mm-hmm. Well, and I don't think people can understand as much. I mean, we're here we are sitting in our houses watching the news and seeing these things. But, I mean, some of these people are out in it and they are feeling like they have no voice and they have to be quiet or they're going to lose their job because they feel a certain way. And that, that's awful. Mm-hmm. And that is taking us decades backwards. 
so we're not for that. And that's, we just wanted to say that, I'd say really quickly, but I know that we talked about that for a while. So <laughs> I think we're ready for your story now. Right. So <laughs> I'm going to tell you uh, part two of Zach Bowen and Addie Hall. Mm-hmm. So in part one, we were talking about Zach's past in the military, his wife and his children, and how he met. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we left off. It was August of 2005, just as Hurricane Katrina was approaching. And at this time, Lana was preparing to evacuate with their children. It wasn't a mandatory evacuation at this time, but many who had the means were fleeing the city. Mm-hmm. She called Zach, you know, pack up, we're leaving. And Zach informed him that he wasn't going anywhere. He was staying with Addie. Okay. And Lana was super upset you know didn't understand why you're staying it's dangerous you need to come with us zach still was dragging his feet he wanted to stay with Addie, so she told zach bring Addie along okay no Addie and lana did not get along just because Addie did not like lana but it wasn't the other way it might have been that way it wasn't Mm -hmm. you know lana just wanted to keep zach safe this is the father of her children. So she was like, bring her along. We'll all go together. We'll do whatever we need to do to stay safe. It's not a big deal. Zach brushed her off and just told her, you know what? You'll be fine. Hmm. So it's definitely not one of his finest parenting moments. Mm -hmm. But I I mean, I remember the whole issue with Hurricane Katrina and how people were getting out and then they were making things more mandatory and people were, we're not leaving. This is our home. And they... Yeah, yeah, it was very mixed. It was. So uh, Zach and Addie were one of the people. They were they were one of the holdouts. So Hurricane Katrina was a Category 5 hurricane. I'm not sure if you remember mm-hmm. all the details. Horrific. Yes. And it caused over 1,800 deaths and $125 billion in damage. Yeah. As well as over 700 people who were reported missing and never found. Mm. I remember it was very, very bad. I remember very the footage on TV was horrific. I, I mean, I just remember people being on their roofs and bodies in the street. Swept away. And being yeah. electrocuted in the water. I just remember, oh, I just, certain stories have stuck with me. Yeah, no. So obviously the flooding and the loss of lives are mostly because of the engineering flaws, right? Mm-hmm. That there's this flood protection system that was supposed to protect the city of New Orleans and it failed and the levees broke mm-hmm. and that's where all the devastation came from. So we could actually talk about that in like a whole nother <laughs> podcast on its own, but it's uh, ranked as the costliest natural disaster in U.S. history because mm-hmm. of the damage it did. Uh, Zach and Addie, so they rode out the storm together in her apartment on Governor Nichols Street. They were stocked with liquor and ice from Hogs Bar where they worked, you know, all the necessities. All the essentials. So they thought they were set. Uh, areas like the French Quarter that they were in were on higher ground, so they didn't flood when the levees broke. Okay. But there was no power or communication, so Zach and Addie had no idea what was going on in other areas of the city until a few days later when they saw people leaving the city on foot. Because there's no communication Mm -hmm. whatsoever. At this point, there is a order of mandatory evacuation. And Zach and Addie refused to leave. Now they're like, the storm's over. What's mm-hmm. the point in leaving now? Right. Well, maybe because there's no power or electricity or, I mean, you know, you and me, we would have been jetting out. Oh, we would have been the first ones yeah, in line. I would have had everything packed up. So the two gathered supplies, you know, food and water and their beloved alcohol from abandoned stores. Now, Addie, because like I said before, she was bipolar, so she was on a prescription for lithium. She never took her medication consistently, but now with the storm, she had no access to medication. She wasn't taking it. So she wasn't taking it at all. And I don't, I, I mean, from what I know about those type of drugs, not taking them consistently can mess you up, and then also abruptly stopping can be catastrophic to your mental health. Oh, okay. It just messes you up completely. So, I mean, obviously, I don't know exactly how she was taking her medication, but I'm sure with all this alcohol and everything happening and not having her medication, I can't imagine how she was mentally. 
But so they ran the streets with just a few others that had stayed behind and survived the storm. They would kind of clean up the streets during the day and gather their supplies. And at night, they would set up a table and chairs and make drinks and share food with the other holdouts. Kind of, they were kind of like hosts. People would come by with the, you know, the food that they had and kind of potluck, I don't know, kind wow. of camping. Okay. They would burn things in the streets. They would have bonfires and they would burn things for light, like trees, mattresses, anything they could find. There's pictures of this. Wow. Okay. It's they were living carefree. Zach and Addie were thriving in this because they didn't have to deal with their demons. There was nothing, mm-hmm. right? There was no responsibilities. There was no bills. There was no work. There was no obligation. Neither one of them had their issues, right? Zach didn't have to worry about his kids, which made Addie upset. So there was no confrontation. Mm-hmm. They were living, like, this carefree lifestyle. It's just hard to imagine that that was better for them than regular life. That's yeah. sad. Well, because some people can't function. I and, know. But that's why it's so yeah, sad. Reality. Yeah. And I think that, and this is me just speculating, it might have even reminded Zach a little bit of when he deployed. Oh, Probably yeah. not like, you know, the yeah. partying and everything, but I think the atmosphere of where like people had to band together for survival. Yeah. You and do this, I'm going to do this. And, and maybe he felt like he was, he had a place of, hey, this is what we're going to do for yes. food today and this is what we're going to do. He was in charge again, right? Yeah. Well, and I think like you have to make do with what you have, mm-hmm. right? And it just reminded me of that. Yeah. I don't I don't know yeah. if that's really, reading everything, that's what I thought of. So, like I said before, this isn't the first time that Zach and Addie were in the news. Or the murder, I should say, was not the first time they were in the news. They were in the news before. They were on the headlines of major news outlets. Huh. As holdouts, yeah. right? Because they started, you know, the news and the media started catching wind that there was people in the city surviving and started to refer to them as tribes. Oh, okay. I know, weird, right? I don't yeah, know. So I don't really like remember this part as much. So I'll show you the pictures. So they were interviewed and photographed. They were even in the New York Times. And they loved the attention they were getting for staying in the city. They felt like they were doing, you know, they were survivors in this tragedy and yeah. almost like heroes. And they were even referred to as the king and queen of the quarter. Oh, wow. Okay. It's And it was almost romanticized. So they were seen, like, riding through the street on their bike, holding hands on these, like, empty, deserted streets. It's weird, right? I don't... They... They loved it. Hmm. Because everything was on their terms. It was their 15 minutes of fame. It was. But now Zach and Addie, as the days went on, they watched as the National Guard entered the city. And then accompanied by the Army and the New Orleans police, as well as other surrounding departments. Mm -hmm. They were there to control the looting, the violence on the streets. So the streets were no longer abandoned and quiet. And now I imagine this could be somewhat triggering for Zach. Mm -hmm. You know, he's sitting on his balcony, watching tanks roll into the city. Yeah. All the bad things coming back. Yeah. Not the good. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I could just imagine, or... Right. I just imagine that could be somewhat triggering for someone who's got a military background. By mid-December, people start returning to the city despite the government's attempt to stop them. Zach and Eddie were not happy with what was happening around them. They saw themselves as better than everyone else who chose to evacuate the city. They thought of themselves as survivors. They were the true New Orleanians, which is ironic because neither one of them were even born there. Right. But they viewed the people that were returning to the city as kind of less than them, and they developed a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. It was really weird, but Hmm. they thought they were better than everyone else. The reality was harsh for the couple as they returned to their so-called normal pre-Katrina lives. Bills were piling up, and by October, Lana had found Zach. And I mean found. She had not heard from Zach since the day she spoke with him when she was evacuating the city. Oh, wow. He had not returned to any of her phone calls. Nothing. So she literally found Zach. I don't... She didn't even know he was alive. Could you imagine? So her and the kids had been evacuated to an emergency shelter. 
and then evacuated to Texas. Okay. In Texas, she was working as a waitress so she could get enough money to get her and the kids back to New Orleans. Wow. Okay. When she arrives in New Orleans, she realizes that Zach is still alive and she shows up back at Addie's apartment. Probably not the best idea. But she's super pissed. Oh, I bet. I can imagine. Just mm-hmm. living your life and the kids and I are over here trying to struggle. And remember, they're still married. They're not even divorced yet. So she goes to Addie's apartment. Zach's not there and Addie refuses to answer the door. But this does get Zach to finally call her. They meet up without the kids and Lana did agree to let Zach see the kids. But when they met up, uh, to exchange the kids, Zach was pretty rude and cold and would remind Lana that Addie would never want to meet her or see her. Okay. Kind of putting Lana in her place. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how I feel about that, but they decided that Zach was going to take the kids bi-weekly. So he would have the kids every other weekend. And he was worried how Addie was going to react. So at this point, bills are piling up, but they have their power back on in the apartment and they... They're pretty much, it's it's okay to have the kids now, right? Yes, okay. yes. The, the city's rebuilding. Okay. Everything is happening. They're both back to work. I have to keep my imagination up with what everything looks like. Yes, <laughs> yes. So there's, yes, they're still, they're working everything. And, of course, Addie, Addie wants Zach all to herself. She mm-hmm. doesn't want to share him of with anyone, she does. not even the kids. Yeah. So he's worried about it. She is surprisingly excited. Yeah, you know, I'm excited. Let's have the kids. She even goes shopping and gets them some new clothes. But then when the kids show up, she refuses to acknowledge them. That's really weird. Okay, is that the whole bipolar thing coming it's, out? Like, I, it seems like it. Maybe she wants to be part of it, but doesn't know how. Does it, yeah. I don't, I'm not sure, but she basically ignores them. So this goes on. When they come over, she goes out bar hopping like all day and night and comes home and then locks them out of their bedroom. Like she goes in and like locks. Okay. She comes home and like goes in the bedroom and like locks everyone out. And the kids are old enough to understand what's going on. So they even tell their mom, like Addie doesn't like us. She doesn't even. It's, it's really hard for kids, I'm sure, to grasp that they don't understand the com- the complexities of people and what they're going through and relationships, and they just they just see it as she doesn't like us. Yeah. And what do we do? That's horrible. Yeah. So this kind of obviously it makes a wedge between Zach and Addie, mm-hmm. but Addie, she somehow she always just makes Zach do whatever she wants. So she forces him to stay in a hotel every other weekend when he has his kids. And he would often take them swimming at the rooftop pool at the Omni. Oh, okay. So that's the one they'd stay at? They would stay there sometimes, and he would take them swimming. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's why he returned there mm-hmm. that day. Um, things were super strained between Zach and Addie still. Addie was bartending and she got a job at a little bit better, I guess, establishment. And Zach had also begun delivering groceries on his bike. Okay. Which is common in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. Um, but things were super dark post-Katrina in New Orleans. It's known for its, like, hard partying ways. But post-Katrina brought on just a different level. People were partying to cope. Okay. To, for- to forget. Okay. Things were not ideal there. The Mm -hmm. rebuilding, I mean, the political unrest was still looting going on. So it was just a different, different vibe. Mm -hmm. I can, yeah. You know what I, yeah. You get what I'm saying. I do. By the spring of 2006, Zach and Addie's lives were consumed by drug and alcohol binges. This is all they did. I'm sure you can imagine what this does with someone from, with bipolar. Mm Mm-hmm. People who are bipolar shouldn't even be consuming alcohol, from what I understand. I'm not an expert, but alcohol affects that regulation, and it throws off your meds. And and then you have Zach, who's got undiagnosed PTSD. Mm-hmm. It seems like, when I was reading, it seems like a true level of addiction, where they would drink and use to forget their problems but while they were drinking and using it would create new problems that they would again drink and use to forget 
Like, it was a huge Spiraling out of control. Yeah. The fight started to become more and more aggressive and physical. One fight specifically, Addie had been very aggressive towards Zach and a friend. Like, she would just get lit up in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Just start. So she was just, like, a mean drunk? She would get mean. Yes, mm-hmm. very mean. So she was, you know, being very aggressive towards Zach and another friend. They kind of put her in her place, shut her down, and she got all wiry and took off. They spent the entire night looking for her. They find her. They end up back in their apartment. Zach and her get into this major fight. It somehow becomes physical because they have bruises the next day, but they're so messed up that neither one of them even remember what happened. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So who knows? That's really scary. It is scary. You know, it's kind of like, hey, at what point do you wake up and go, we need to change things? Yeah. Yeah. So this led to Zach getting on a train and he went back to his family in Portland. Okay. He planned to stay in Oregon and get his shit together. He was like, enough is enough. I need to figure things out. So that was his day. That was his. Yeah. He woke up and was like, I got to do something. But of course, Lana wasn't happy about this. You know, she's like, oh, so shit goes sideways with with Addie and the kids and I are out again? Like, what is going on? So he decides he's going back to New Orleans because he has to take care of his kids. And of course, going back to New Orleans is going back to Addie. They just can't break the toxic cycle. And we know people like this. We do. Yes, yes, absolutely. So they just continue with the alcohol-fueled fights and the breakups. That would lead to Addie kicking Zach out, and then he would stay on, you know, the couches at friends' houses and cheap hotels. And then he was also even rumored to be staying on the third floor of an abandoned mansion in the city. Like, I guess there was some abandoned furniture in this abandoned mansion, and he would go there and sleep. Because they would get into a fight, and she would kick him out, and then the next day she was like, please come back, please come back. It was like... A seriously abusive relationship on both levels. It sounds terrible. It got to the point where, yeah, yeah, I just that whole toxic thing of I, I love you, but I can't be with. I can't. We we can't make this work. I wish we could, but his then friends were. I mean, he was pretty much homeless, and his friends would be like, "Oh, there's Zach again on his bike with his bag of things." At any time, I mean, this was happening like three times a week. He was getting kicked out, so it wasn't like once a month. Yeah, it was happening crazy. It, this is his this is his regular life. Yes. So friends no longer wanted to be around them. And at one point the police were even involved. So during a fight, Addie, I guess Addie had this handgun, which never had any ammunition. I know I see her eyes. It sounds <laughs> terrifying anytime this but I guess yeah. she didn't have bullets for it. But they got into a fight and she ran off with this handgun and she ended up showing the gun or I don't know if she was pointing it at someone in the French Quarter and that person called the police. Mm -hmm. She runs home and puts on her pajamas to pretend like she had been home all night. Oh, God. When the cops show up and the the guy identifies Addie, they find the gun, but they also find drugs. So she gets arrested. And Zach refuses to bail her out. So she ends up staying there a couple of weeks until friends pull money to get her out. But they end up back together still. Oh, come on. I know. Another time after this, neighbors called the police during one of their screaming matches. Addie had shoved Zach, like, out the door physically, and he was just sitting on the front steps when the police showed up. Well, he happened to have drugs on him. So, boom, you're in jail. So he's in jail, and... uh, he won't, she won't bail him out. So eventually he gets out, but they back get back together. together. I mean, it's such a terrible cycle. It is. And then at this point, Zach started, they started distancing themselves a little bit. He wanted to be done with Addie. And he started hanging out at places he could avoid Addie, like gay bars. He had also worked in gay bars. I mean, it, I don't think that's a yeah. huge thing in New Orleans. No. But he ended up starting to have a relationship with a man there, a realtor that was from the area. Oh. And this kind of kept quiet, but when Addie found out, oh, she did not handle this very well. She was, like, taunting him, calling him, like, gay slurs and 
it was really bad. And this is when she took his phone and called every person in his phone and told them that he had AIDS <gasps> and then deleted all his contacts <gasps> so he couldn't tell them otherwise. Oh, that is just evil. Yeah, she, I mean, she, I'm not saying that Zach is innocent but or that Addie deserved to die, but. No, and I didn't get that from anything that you've been telling me. She wreaked havoc but on his is, life. Yeah. And he never stood up for himself. Yeah. He just kept on going back for it. So Addie's life at this point is completely out of control. She's got no money from all the binging she's doing. She had a falling out with her landlord. So she's got to get out of her apartment and she reaches out to Zach. Mm -hmm. Zach's going to be the hero, right? Mm -hmm. She's desperate for help and Zach wants to help her. So they decide they're going to have, you know, try to work things out. He agrees to put up the money for a new apartment because he has hopes that they're going to work things out. So on October 2nd, they find the apartment on Rampart Street. Okay. They tell, they tell the landlord the sad story of how their prior landlord doubled their rent post-Katrina. They couldn't afford to live there anymore, but they have first and last month's rent in cash. So mm-hmm. okay. he hands them the keys without an official lease. Like, you're in. You got cash. I mean, from what I understand, there's a lot of moving around and yeah, breaking yeah. up leases. So that probably wasn't... All to you. It was so common that it was, okay, fine, you're... You have cash. I mean, yeah. your first and last month's rent. I mean, yeah. fine, whatever, take the keys. But just two days later, Addie would show up um, at the landlord's place. This is Leo Wattemeyer. Yeah. Um, demanding a lease in her name only. She was out of sorts. She was, like, yelling and telling um, Leo that Zach was cheating on her. So Leo ends up writing a handwritten lease just to get Addie out of the office. He's going to deal with this later. So but she's still getting back at him for everything, and she is making It was a setup. Him, it was a total setup, and she's making him pay for her apartment. So shortly after that, Leo gets a phone call from Zach explaining how he's screwed. He put up all his money for the apartment, and Addie's kicking him out. That mm-hmm. sucks. And now she has a lease. And she has a lease. She has a place to live for six months. She has a six-month lease. They were seen arguing in the stairwell, and Addie was ranting and raving and at Zach about cheating on her with a man, this argument would go on all day and night. According to Addie's journal, Zach felt Addie set him up. She stole the apartment from him and then just wouldn't shut up. Mm-hmm. Just kept on going on and on. Uh, there was also pressure, right? So he was trying to be a better father and he was supposed to have his kids this weekend. So in his head, he was getting a place. He was getting everything together. He had he thought he was getting everything Once together. Once again, he thought everything was on the up and then it came crashing down. And now he had no money and no home. And I can't imagine. And he was being treated the way that he was. Oh, I yeah. just. He felt like he was duped right once again he so on the very early morning of thursday october 5th zach strangled addie he wrote in the journal that he had defiled her body sexually a few times before passing out next to her i don't i'm not even sure what to think about that he wrote that in the journal later on police would say that there was no evidence of necrophilia i don't know why he would write that in a journal then I'm not sure. He woke up the next day and went to work, leaving her body there oh, to okay. be dealt with when he returned. So he literally strangled her, defiled her body, passed out next to her, dead body, till morning. And then... Because he was extremely intoxicated. And, yeah. I mean, you have to remember, these people aren't walking around jacked up on coffee like you right, and I. Like, right, they're, right. they're doing drugs. So he goes to work and... When he gets to work, uh, people notice that he looks horrible. They asked him what's wrong, what's going on. He tells friends at work they had another fight with Addie and that she took his money and went back to North Carolina. Okay. So people, this was believable and unbelievable all at the same time. Everyone knew how much Addie loved New Orleans, but at the same time, she was always threatening to leave. Mm-hmm. Yep, she finally did it. Yeah, so they're like, I don't know. Would she ever do it? Well, she finally did it. I can't believe it. 
Okay, so it's Thursday. He goes home and he needs to deal with her body. He puts her in the bathtub and he cuts off her hand and her feet and her head, including giving her a terrible haircut. That comes from the journal. Okay, the haircut part seems very unnecessary. It almost seems mean. I don't know. He says that he, he gave her a terrible haircut. And then he... Like, he was still angry at her, so he's like, here, I'm cutting off your hair now. I don't, right? I don't know. I just thought that was very... Strange, right? Strange. So after cutting off her hands and her feet and her head, he put them in pots on the range and then passed out again. Because he's not doing this sober. No, of course not. And I know I say that that's strange. All of it's strange. All of it's very... I know, I know. It's just, but, and we wouldn't know a lot of this except for he documented it in the journal. Mm -hmm. So he wrote in the journal about how he had passed out, but it's okay because he had all weekend to finish. His plan. But he ended up having a weekend out all coked up in the bars with different girls. So he didn't get everything done that he was supposed to to get rid of her body. On Sunday, he realizes that he was supposed to have his kids and contacts Lana. He offers back child support that he owed in the amount of about $600 and asks Lana to bring the kids to the grocery store that he worked at, where he was the bicycle delivery guy. So Lana comes there with the kids. He tells the kids, like, get all the candy, you know, that you want. He asks Lana if he says, I need to get some things done at the apartment. Can I have them next weekend? Because they're super excited. She says, sure. Lana expresses concern about Addie, but Zach just told Lana that Addie wouldn't be there. And I know he's just, I don't know how he's keeping this, all this I, together. That's what I'm thinking too. Like, I don't. Now, that night he returns to the apartment and to the bathroom. You know, it's been three days since he strangled Addie. So that night he proceeded to cut off her arms and legs and put them in a roasting pan in the oven. And fell asleep until morning when the smell woke him up. Oh, God. I was going to say three days. Dear Lord. And people weren't calling or complaining or saying But anything. it's New Orleans. I told you people yeah. in the apartment thought they smelled something funny, but it's New Orleans. So he turns off the oven and he goes to work. So at this point, her limbs are in the oven and her head and her hands and feet are on the top of the stove. And he goes to work. So he... <sighs> He's trying to figure out how to do this, and he, I don't even know what to say. No. I don't even know. I'm trying to, like, think. I can't think like Zach. I have no idea how you do that. No, you want to try to figure out why. I'm trying to figure out what, where he was or what, but maybe he he was was numbing himself so much with alcohol and drugs because of what he did. Mm -hmm. And I also think, so, remember he Bagged bodies, mass raids. Mm-hmm. This is true. I don't, I, I feel like you become numb. I was going to say maybe. I mean, I don't think they were maybe sawing them sh- up right. when they were there, but I don't think it, I think once you're handling dead bodies in that amount for that length of time, you probably can form some sort of disconnect. And he mm-hmm. wasn't doing this sober. I imagine that. Once again, this is me putting my own spin in my brain on how this happened. He's just so messed up on drugs, and he might not, there might not even be a connection there anymore. So I know what you mean, and I think about that in terms, too, of people who work with dead bodies all the time, like morticians and, you know, people who do autopsies. Why can't I think of what that person is called? (laughs) (laughs) Coroners, and yeah, you know, people like that, or even, even just people like my dad who have had to go to scenes and see dead bodies as often as they have it's one of those things that you you Check learn out. to compartmentalize in mm-hmm. a different place and so maybe he you're right I never even really went there and thought about that but he probably had to learn how to do that back then and he maybe still had it figured out how to go back there that's I, I mean that's what I'm assuming I don't 
once again, there's no documentation of that. But in my head, when I'm trying to rationalize what he was doing, not that you can, but no, you no, know what I'm saying. I do. It's a, this is a tough one. This is one of those where you're like, oh, I I don't want to sound like I'm being sympathetic, but at the same time, I just want to understand and I want to know what's happening. Like, how do how do we get there and how do we prevent this from happening? Exactly. So by Monday night, things start to sink in for Zach. He couldn't live with what he had done. He wrote in his journal, I have decided to quit my jobs and spend the $1,500 I have being happy and then kill myself. So he made a plan and that's exactly what he did. He drank and drugged with friends and women. He was treating his friends to partying at clubs and lap dances and drugs. And then somewhere in this haze on October 10th, he remembered it was him and Lana's wedding anniversary. And this is, it's, Stupid and sad. So he calls Lana after midnight. She's not happy about this. <laughs> Zach. Um, and he asks her to meet up for a drink to celebrate. And she's like, Zach, I'm going to bed. Just mm-hmm. stop. And then he reminds her that he's that she's still his wife. And that just really made me sad. Because I think that he never... Even though they were they were planning on divorce and all of these things, I don't think he ever closed that chapter. I think that his marriage and his failure in marriage still weighed on him heavily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe sense. he realized time was running out and he wanted that closure before he left. Maybe I, I just it just it weighed on me that he was still thinking about that in all of this. He still thought of that. I can't imagine what his final days were. Um, they were fueled by coke and alcohol as he sprayed the walls of his impar- his apartment with those messages that oh, I yeah. told you about. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a total failure. Please stop the pain. I The images that I have of what was going on is just terrific. He gave himself 28 cigarette burns, one for every year of his failed life. Oh. That breaks my heart. Um, He documented in the journal and made a list of his failures that read friends, job, military, marriage, love. He just hated himself. So on October 17th, 12 days after he murdered Addie, he stopped by his friend's apartment and asked him to go out and party. His friend was too hungover from the night before and declined. So Zach snatched a bag of Coke from his friend and went on his way. And that was the day he would end on the rooftop of the Omni where he would eventually take his own life. Mm -hmm. Now, poor Lana, as his wife, was the first one notified of the gruesome murder. And the one responsible for picking up Zach's belongings. Poor Lana. Oh, my God. It just... This, everyone involved in this story, it's so... It's so tragic. So the news, obviously, of the gruesome murder spread quickly, and Lana was being hounded by reporters. She was being questioned by friends and strangers everywhere she went. Um, She eventually put her kids on a plane back to Zach's family in Oregon so she could deal with everything. She couldn't deal with it with the kids. I can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. She's got no family. Mm -hmm. She's doing this entirely by herself. Mm-mm. I can't even imagine. Um, um, they decided because of all the poor publicity that they wouldn't even have a service for Zach and they just cremated his body. Lana is the one who kept his ashes, but she hates Zach for what he did. She feels like Zach ruined her life and the lives of her children, and what Zach did will haunt them forever. And she even says that she's happy that he killed himself. Because she doesn't think that Zach could live with what he did. I, I don't, I. Oh, this is so much and so powerful and so dark and so. Raw. Yes. Lana doesn't do well, though. I mean, she, right after this happens, she gets a DUI. She gets, she ends up getting off, but. 
she is not coping with this very well. And she's in, encouraged by a psychiatrist in the area that she needs to be honest with her children and tell them exactly what their father had done. I'm not sure how I feel about this. So you I, know me yeah. and I am mm-hmm. always forthcoming. I'm always honesty is the best policy. Mm-hmm. But these poor babies, I just. And at this point, how old are they? <sighs> I don't know. I don't remember. But I have to look. Oh, let me look. I mean, probably like six. I mean, they're not. They're not very old. Yeah, I'm trying oh, to. My computer's not pulling up what I need to calculate the birthday. But yeah, no. So like at least kindergarten, first grade type age. You're thinking. Yeah, I mean they're little. That's... I don't know at what age that you can ever comprehend we're grown women who study and read this stuff all the time and we can't even comprehend why someone would do such things Mm -mm. i want to say i think they're like four and six yeah i could be wrong i'll look it up i'm gonna say right now that i disagree with that i don't think that maybe tell them something but don't tell them everything i know they're gonna find out one day but but they, they suffered a lot after hearing this. And Lily even had, like, chronic stomach issues. And it's just a, it's just a lot to deal with. And um, even more sad, it took six months for family to claim Addie's body. Really? There's nobody. So... There's no real information on how or why, but I just feel like this is just heartbreaking and solidifies the fact of how alone she was in life. Mm-hmm. That's really sad. Well, it sounded too like she pushed everyone away. and she... Oh, I imagine it, her family probably didn't, and this is me imagining again, I don't even imagine that her family knew where she was or what she was doing. It didn't probably sound not. like she was sending postcards to let people know how her life was doing. It might have taken that long. It doesn't say why it took that long. I mean, maybe they couldn't find her next of kin. I don't know. But anytime someone's body isn't claimed, it just bothers me. No, I understand. I understand that completely. And I just, from what you told me of her, she just seems like she pushed everyone away and probably burned a lot of bridges yeah, she. I feel she's that personality. With the more that, almost like she had to test the people that loved her for how much they would tolerate. Mm. Yeah, you know, the more yeah. you love me, the more destructive I'm gonna be, and I'm gonna see if you still love me anyway. It's a very yeah, yeah, twisted. It is situation. a very twisted way. To but I mean, we've seen these look at it, these yes. stories before. So I know that some people will hear this story. And they're going to think that I'm very, just way too sympathetic to Zach. Now, I'm, that's not the case. I, what Zach did, there's no excuse for his murder of Addie. Mm-mm. But I do believe that Zach, too, is a victim and that he deserves more than just the gruesome headlines of his final days. Mm-hmm. He's never been given just any opportunity to hear where he came from. And one thing that really struck me when reading um, Ethan Brown's book was that, you know, he did so much personally to reach out to Zach's people, his friends, his, you know, fellow comrades, his fellow soldiers. And when he did reach out to them, they told him, don't ever, don't you ever say anything bad about Zach. He was a good man. Mm -hmm. And that the man that murdered Addie was not the man that they knew. And I think that just says a lot about someone mm-hmm. yeah I agree I agree I agree and I and I'm glad that you told the story and I'm glad that I know more about it and and the backstory and you know what maybe maybe it'll help somebody out there that is dealing with some of these things or that has a friend or a family member that this some of these things sound familiar. They're going into a downward spiral and they'll, they'll think to reach out and they'll think to help that person before it's too late. Yeah, they, um, well, 
first I'm going to tell you a little bit. So there's actually a documentary called mm-hmm. Zach and Addie. You can find it on Facebook. Um, not the documentary itself, but a page. And there was a debut. It was actually featured, viewed, but it shut down oh, now. Okay. This is a whole nother story that I'm going to do later. But so one of Addie's best friends, Margaret Sanchez, she plays a big part in this documentary that we don't see, but she's also interviewed in the documentary that I told you about, Final Witness. Yeah, yeah. She also has been convicted of murder. Oh. I know. (laughs) So you have to wonder what was going on. I'm going to do that story later on. I feel like we've done a lot of heavy things right now. I've talked a lot about some heavy stuff. So I'm going to put that on on the future list. But because she is in prison and all of these things are happening, legally the documentary has been shut down. Mm -hmm. That's what I was thinking. When you said that, I thought, oh boy, I bet that it's an issue for... I will see if it actually comes out at some point, but I would like to, I mean, it was made in New Orleans. I would like to see it. You know, it's like an indie type. Yeah. Yeah. Deal. So, and then I'm not sure how I feel about it, but I know I told you this before as well, that Zach and Addie's apartment is now part of the Bloody Mary Haunted Museum and Tour Company. Mm, No. I know. Um, so the owner describes herself as a Catholic raised voodoo priestess who can communicate with and heal the spirits of the dead. Okay. Hey, she is perfect for New Orleans, at least. And you see a lot of that down there. So, and she says she can see Zach and Addie, like as orbs, that they're present there. So the, the actual apartment is visited on this tour. And they feature the oven, the actual oven, the actual fridge. I'm really not sure how I feel about this. She speaks about it strongly, saying, this is New Orleans. This is what happened here. This is what people come here for. I'm sure she's justifying it however she can. But I feel like this is different. And I've never been to New Orleans, but I've been on ghost tours. Mm -hmm. And this is not how they go. Okay, so this is different than the whole give me your money and I'm going to be sensational and tell you a story and then... Well, I feel like when I've done a ghost tour, like we did a ghost tour when we were in San Diego and it was people from like the 1800s and it was just different. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like it wasn't yeah. 15 years ago. Yeah. And there had been stories of like this ghost being seen by this tree for centuries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Different, yeah. A different vibe than I'm going to take and show you where this man cut up his Yeah, I don't know how I feel stove. about that. But yet, at the same time, I did take a tour when I was in New Orleans because that's what you do when you go there. That's and So that's what she's saying. This so, is what people want. And she said if she didn't do it, someone else would. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's absolutely right in that respect, for so, sure. I don't Somebody know was gonna do it. if I would be okay with the tour or not. I'm not sure. But the tour that I went on, I can't imagine that being a part of it. Even though I knew what I was signing up for. It was a, it was a walking tour. It was like a... So we did. So we, you did. Know, we were outside. We didn't go in anywhere. We didn't see anything like an oven or anything like that. Or that, you know... Yeah, you were outside the whole time. Like, yes. you didn't go in. We were outside. We just walked through and we heard stories of things that had happened in the different buildings and the houses and that, that kind of a thing. And, um yeah, I'm not sure. They say that there's like a picture of Zach and Addie and like with like fake blood splattered on it. And mm. I just don't know. I don't know if you can do it tasteful. I have some mixed emotions on it. That's all. I was curious how you would feel. But it seems very New Orleans. <sighs> I don't know. I think you'd have to. We'll look at the. So they have a Facebook site. Okay. Bloody I need to Mary see Haunted Museum and Tour Company. I, need to see. I was watching the videos. Mm-hmm. Well, we can look at them and I can show you. Okay. Um, that concludes my story of Zach and Addie. So may they rest in peace. Mm, I'm sad. I'm sorry. That's okay. I just <laughs> normally I'm like, oh yeah, but wow, that was just super heavy and it gave me a lot to think about. But at the same time, like I said, I appreciate that I know all of the all of the things that you that you said it wasn't just an it wasn't just a black and white this is what happened there it's was not. so much more to it and there's I'm actually I 
took all I had all these stats. I was going to bore you guys to death with <laughs> sure statistics, <laughs> but I took them all out. I'll share them on Instagram and Facebook later in the week. And it really it was eye-opening the number of um servicemen and servicewomen who come back with PTSD. And then not until I would say t- I think it's been 10 years that they actually started tracking um the homicide rates of returning mm-hmm. war veterans yes and PTSD so they're finally doing these studies and and linking and sharing the numbers publicly on what's happening with our war veterans the numbers are eye opening i that's all yeah. so i'll bore you to death on instagram and on facebook if you're interested in those numbers i won't make you listen to me read them to you together oh hey Kenyon oh my god Kenyon's excited too he loves when I tell him all the stats on everything yeah um all right well I promise to have something I don't know better lighthearted I don't want to say lighthearted but this one's a little deep my next story isn't it's not lighthearted at all oh okay so we had talked about maybe going and branching out into some other crimes that would be a little bit lighter in between. Like, maybe we should do some fun, like, white-collar crimes where nobody dies. I love how you call them fun. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't mean, like... No. no, but I know exactly what you mean. You know This one's I mean. really heavy. Like, it kept me up at night. Like, no one died or got put in an oven or anything yeah. like that. And those, like, there might be, like, a jewel thief or something crazy and, like, mysterious, yeah. which would be kind of fun to talk about, I think. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go light for the next couple stories. Okay, so with that... Uh, unfortunately, we don't have a flip the script. We cannot make anything up this week. There's just, there's nothing going on. Not that we make shit up any week, but uh, it's just, it's cold here and it's boring and we have nothing fun to share, unfortunately. So yeah, just trying to survive the winter. Yeah. So hopefully you guys are too and you have some things uh, coming up that you're going to be looking forward to as well. Hop on over to uh, wherever you listen iTunes definitely takes reviews. Only five stars, I believe. I think you can only <laughs> click that five star if you're uh, given a review. Pretty right. The, the rest of them are broken. Broken. And um, yeah, visit us over on Instagram, Facebook, everywhere we are. We are the Wicked Ones podcast. And if you are enjoying the show, please tell your friends because that's the only way we're going to get out there and, you know, people are going to find us. So yeah, have a, uh, have a good, have a good one and stay warm. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.